0: And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous that I was for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, and I remained with him fifteen days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing you before God, I did not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ." they were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me.
1: Thank you, Carissa. That is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Church, let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. And God, I'm thankful for uh, this reminder from Paul's letter to the Galatians, God, as you inspired him to to pin it down, uh, that we would learn from it the importance of trusting in you and you alone, O Lord. So God, would you lead us uh, this morning as we dive into uh, this word? And Lord, I pray that you would just remind us that salvation is your work, it is your doing, and God, because of it, uh, we would be led into a, a proper place of praise and adoration, focusing our eyes on the finished work of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, Amen. Thanks again, Krista, for reading that. We are uh, continuing in Galatians. If you all would, you can go ahead and and open up if you haven't already. And if you didn't get a scripture journal, Uh, please do. They're in the cafe on the book cart. That is our gift to you until they run out. Um, But you can find these online. What it is, it's whatever book you have. If it's John, Mark, uh, Galatians, Genesis, whatever it might be, it's got the scripture on one side and then a blank page on the other for you to take notes. So that's what we're asking you to do. Just join us through the series. This is the second week uh, going through Galatians um, as we dive in together. Uh, So just to, to recap a little bit. Last week, Paul really started to to hammer in at the the very beginning, uh, the first 10 verses about how there's no other gospel. And the importance of this in the context was that uh, the Gentiles have now received the gospel. The gospel has extended salvation beyond uh, the Jewish community. And uh, the Jews were not very happy with that. They were enemies with the Gentile people, right? But now the gospel has gone forth and Gentiles are being saved and praise be to God because of that. But they had tried to here in Galatia is is to lay regulations down and to add to the finished work of Jesus by telling these Gentile believers, they said, hey, have you followed through with circumcision? What about the ceremonial laws? Are you keeping those? Are you keeping the Sabbath? And Paul gets word of this and he says, you guys are departing from the faith. You are leaving the gospel. He says, I'm so, I'm I'm astounded how quickly you were abandoning. Him who called you. And we we this probably resonates with a lot of us, especially here in America, because what we what we've gotten is a lot of legalism, right? Where it's 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 the gospel plus this, right? Whatever it might be, and it, it could be anything, it comes in all shapes, sizes, forms, whatever. And we are reminded through this letter that we are not to pursue righteous works without righteousness in Christ. And what I mean by that is if you don't know Jesus, then all works are useless because no work will earn your way to heaven. And that's really important for us to grasp. We have to understand that we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Amen, church? Amen. We, we have to, to, to understand that, that basic foundational truth to the Christian faith. We are justified by faith alone and Christ alone. And then we come here, and Paul continues building off of last week. And uh, the main point I want for us this morning that we'll try and drive home some subpoints, but it's that salvation is God's work. Salvation is God's work, right? It, it's God's doing. We know that Jesus is the one who finished it. He did the work on our behalf so that those who come to him repent and believe in his finished work, they would be what, church? Saved. We would be saved by the finished work and faith in that finished work of Jesus Christ. So, as we look at that that concept that salvation is God's work, I want to look at uh, a few things God's word, God's work, and God's worship. Let's go with God's word first. It's very important. It's what Paul starts out um, in this section with. And uh, he's really coming out of of, uh, verse 10, which we'll get to here in just a second. But God's word, it's, it's so important. He's going to begin building a defense for the gospel that he preached. What he says is the true gospel. And the way that he does that is by reminding them, the readers, of his story. Paul's testimony and also reminding them of God's power and that God is the one who alone has the power to save sinners. So he's going to remind them of the basic truths because when things get messy, what do you do? Go back to basics, right? Just, just go back to basics. So that's what he's going to do. He, he wants them to focus their eyes on the gospel, See, testimonies are wonderful as they should hopefully show people our desperate need for Christ and his supernatural power to renew our souls. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to give his testimony, the account of how he became an apostle. So verse 10 is, is really, it puts us right into this passage because they didn't have the breaks like we have. So uh, I'm going to read verse 10 real quick. It says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, the the thing that that comes with the accusation that Paul was was preaching an easy gospel. The Judaizers had gotten in there like, Paul's just preaching the easy stuff. He's leaving out that you need to do this, this, and this to really be saved. if, If you're really a follower of God... Man, Paul's just preaching the easy stuff. That's easy, right? Like just, just believe in Jesus, that's easy. You need to follow the Sabbath. Come on, what are you doing? And he says, me? Paul, the one who's been chased from town to town, they're after his head. They're, they want him dead and they want him gone. I'm trying to preach the easy gospel. If i were still trying to please man, he says I would not be a servant of Christ. He's saying, let me remind you all where I came from. That's where he goes to verse 11. For I would now have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. He says, it's not man's. The message that I came to you with isn't man's word. It's not man's message. We talked about this last week, that it is is God's message. It is God's word, is what he is reminding them. This is God's word, not mine. And this is important because, church, when we preach the gospel, when we go out into the world, when we are sharing this message, people need to know that it is not our message. That's why Jesus said, I have all authority. All authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven, right? He said that. Why? Because you knew that Jesus was serious. And now when we go out, we need the world to know that we are serious about Jesus. Because he's the one with the authority. See, the Greek word for not is ooh. Can you all say ooh? Ooh, like ooh. And you know what it means in the Greek? Not. Simple. It is not. Ooh. It's not our gospel, right? Like that should that should make you like listen, right? Like, okay, cool. Finally, something that we don't have to listen to from another man. This is God's word. And Paul did not preach a gospel made by men. He said, this is not man's gospel. Very simple, but very important to understand that Paul was not preaching a gospel made by men. Now, that's a natural thing that we have to overcome when we tell people that, that this isn't man's word. God used men to pin it down. See, Peter also speaks of the importance of remembering the words that God left with his listeners, right? He says this in 2 Peter 1.16, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter's reminding his listeners there that they saw it all happen. That this wasn't a made up mythical story. That this was God's word. That they witnessed everything. He says we were eyewitnesses of his majesty now you see Paul had a different testimony it's likely that that Paul could have seen some of the events transpire but Paul's story with Jesus didn't begin until after Jesus's ascension because he wasn't an apostle until after Christ's ascension right we know that from from Acts we get to read everything unfold we get to see just the whole timeline a big overview bird's eye view if you will and Acts, of how everything happened, how it transpired, how Paul came to know the Lord, how the, the Lord got a hold of Paul on his way to Damascus, blinded him. And then changed his heart and his direction, his vision, and made him a church planter who went around planting churches all over the region. And because of Paul, church, we are here because of the work that God did through Paul. Praise be to God. Verse 12. He says, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, we know from Acts that Paul did not come to know Jesus through the preaching word, right? A lot of you have probably, you came to know the Lord, the Lord got a hold of you in a seat or a pew, right? Uh, back in the day and you came to know the Lord through someone preaching they said if you don't believe in Jesus you're gonna go to hell and that got a hold of you right that's how it got me I was sitting and I was listening to someone preach about having a relationship with Jesus and I remember going up and with a bunch of teenagers it was like teen night at Marshall University's campus ministry and I went up there and you know I just like yeah like man God got a hold of me Because the word was proclaimed over my life and God uh, graciously by the drawing of his spirit pulled me in. But Paul didn't come to know the Lord the way most of us come to know the Lord. Anybody by chance want to anybody walk into Damascus and and get blinded? No, that's Paul's story, right? It's crazy. And it's also his testimony how he can proclaim the goodness of God's word because Paul was Captured by God himself. Christ blinded Paul and he changed his heart. And what Paul is using this to do, he's saying, I didn't have any kind of training. You're worried about me being, being twisted and, and, and the word that I have being manipulated by man, but my message didn't come from man, for God himself got a hold of me, blinded me, and taught me his word. came straight from the source. It reminds me like the telephone game, right? If you play a telephone game with two people, there's probably not going to be many mistakes, right? Now as we, you start to play the telephone game with like a, a big group of people, that's what you guys should do. You should do uh, Coco Telephone. Now the kids, oh, you're going to have everybody there. Well, the bigs are out. We should tell them Coco Telephone. That'll get them there tonight. But when you get a big group of people, it gets really difficult. And then by the end of it, someone says something absolutely absurd, and you're like, I don't know where we went wrong, and it's really funny, right? With God's word, God has preserved it, God has sustained his word, church. It is sufficient for us. We don't need to question it. We believe that God has preserved it. We've got manuscripts, thousands of years old. And Paul tells him, he says, listen, God got a hold of me. This is God's word. It's not mine. You need to believe it. And the reason, church, is because their souls were on the line. They were either going to believe this message of works, which leads to damnation, or they were going to trust and rest in the finished work of Jesus, which would be their salvation. That's what they needed to do. Paul was, this is not from me. I didn't receive it from man. I wasn't even taught it. But I received it through the revelation of Jesus, and thus pointing to the work of God. Point number two, God's work. It's not just God's word, Paul says. Paul's beating home that this is God's holy word. This is God's gospel, right? Paul's not defending Galatians, right? He's not defending all the letters that we have now. Paul's just defending the, the proclamation of God's word, the gospel message that is going forth at this moment. And he's saying that that gospel, the good news that sinners are now reconciled, redeemed by the finished work of Christ, that needs to be preserved because that's not from man, that's from God. And I can tell that you Galatians have been playing a telephone game, but let's end it. Let me tell you what the word says. And then he points to the work of God through his life. See, Paul couldn't claim the word or the work in his life, for God was the one working in and through Paul, as he does in us, church. And he does it for our good and for his glory. For he displays his power through our weakness. And that's what he He says. I received it through a revelation of Jesus, verse 13, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, And tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Consider what Paul was doing and on his way to do when he was blinded by God. He says that he was uh, persecuting the church of God violently. He was killing Christians, not just threatening, but executing Christians who proclaimed Jesus as Lord over their life. And he says he tried to destroy it. That means end it. He wanted to end it all together. He says he was advancing, he was smart, he was intelligent, he was a leader. Why was it important to remember what Paul was doing and on his way to do? Why is it important to remember Paul's life, right? Like, why? why do we need to live in the past? It's important because it gives context. Because the context of the listeners is that they're being taught to seek self-righteousness through fulfillment of the law to truly be saved. And Paul says, I've done that. I've raced that race. And it is endless. It is restless. And it is not life-giving. Paul's counter is to remember who I was. And church, we know that apart from Christ, we are evil, we are wicked. Every single one of us. Mark 7, 21 through 23, gives us an idea of man's heart apart from Christ. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. See, Paul's zeal was not for the Lord, it was for the traditions of my fathers, as he says. So, what Paul is telling us right then and there, and what he's telling his listeners, is that I sought self righteousness. And my zeal, when you all saw me pursuing self-righteousness in the name of righteousness, in the name of following and pursuing God, it was not zeal for God, it wasn't a zeal for truth, it wasn't a zeal for the good news, it was a zeal for the traditions of my fathers. And we talked last week, traditions are good. If, if your family has a tradition of, of dressing up and going to church, that's good. If you feel like you need to wear a suit and tie, that is good. But there's certain traditions of men that are good, but should not be imposed on others. And especially when you do it in the name of salvation. No, execute that. Get rid of it. Because there should be nothing that says Jesus plus Because Jesus gives us freedom to go and to live according to his purpose. And not only that, but he gives us his spirit to do so, to be sanctified, to be convicted of sin, and to go and to live righteously, displaying his goodness and his power over all of creation. But when we say it's Jesus and this in order to obtain your salvation, we've gone completely off the rails. You see, Jesus is the one who finished it. At the cross saying it is finished to tell I paid in full. And this is the work of God and saving the people of God. Because the only thing that flows out of men. Is evil. And you see when we when we are. Are grasped by God, when God gets a hold of us, it goes from our heart being one of, of evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, to, to being thoughts of righteousness. To covenant people, from theft to giving, from murder to, to life-giving, that we would give our life. Paul, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica and he tells them that, that we were so desirous of you that we not only shared with you the gospel, but our entire selves. Church, that, that we would be so sacrificial, not with our finances or resources, but all of our life. To, to give somebody a call when we feel like we don't have another moment to give, that's sacrifice. Sacrifice isn't when you have an abundance of time and give away some of it. It's when you have no time and you find time to give a little of it. Because God, remembering what Jesus did, will lead you to do that. Knowing that it's paid in full. Knowing that Jesus dealt with us when we should have been dealt the hand of wrath. But he dealt to us a hand of grace. Now that doesn't mean that all wicked things aren't aren't going to be exposed. It doesn't mean that wicked won't be judged. But it means that for those who have received grace, should show grace. Because it's God's work in us. Not our own work. You see, when our eyes are fixed on the goodness of the gospel but not the power of the gospel, we cannot experience life. If our eyes are only fixed on the goodness of the gospel and not the power of the gospel, we cannot experience life. And that's what I mean by that is righteousness. If you're focused so much on on being righteous and being a good person, you won't experience life. You're just going to try and obtain it all of your life. And then at the end, be separated from the holy God you claimed. It's when we recognize the power of the gospel in our life that we can go and we can do good. So until we, church, experience freedom in the Lord that God has set us free by the finished work of his son, we'll not experience eternal life now. And that's what Paul is trying to remind them of that joy that they had in the gospel. That, remember when, when I was there with you and we celebrated that, that Jesus set you free, that he paid it all, and we, we sang psalms and, and we, we rejoiced with one another, we did life with one another. Don't you remember all of that? He wants to remind them of that freedom that they have in the Lord so that these Judaizers would not place those things on them which Christ saved them from. When we get that, it leads us to worship. And God God alone deserves the worship. Point number three, God's worship. That's what God deserves. And it's because God is the one who's doing the work. Remember Romans 9, it says, Before they'd done either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election would continue, he chose Jacob, right? And that's God's doing. That was God's work. Ephesians talks about we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of works so that no one may boast. And church, when Paul writes later, he says, for all that we have to boast in is boast in the Lord, right? Because of His work. See, God deserves the worship. And this happens when we place all of our focus on God Himself. And so he's going after the traditions of his fathers in verse 14, but in 15 he transitions to the goodness of God. He says, but when he had set... He who had set me apart before I was born and who called me in his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So Paul actually, he takes a journey. He knows the Old Testament very well. He knows the law. It seems that he had gone back to even Mount Sinai. Paul takes this this self-reflective missionary journey, and and he goes and he's studying the law. It seems like it's it's for a few years here that it goes on uh, for Paul. And then... He makes it back to Jerusalem in verse 18, but it's, it's back to his reminder that he wasn't given the word from men, nor was he trained or taught by men, and that's good. You, I believe that that there is a, a very good thing about formal training, right? This is a totally different time, and and he's but he's saying that he knows what he knows, the Old Testament, and this gospel message was given directly from. Jesus and Paul wants to worship and wants the listeners to worship Jesus because of this good news. Okay, so then verse 18 it says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. And that was that's another name for Peter. Okay, Cephas is another name for for Peter. Um, So that's Peter there. We know Peter, he's one of the apostles, right? quoted him a little bit earlier than verse 19. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. He's saying the apostles did not get a hold of me, right? The apostles were already like red flagged by everyone, right? They were like, they all hung out with Jesus. They're a problem. Paul's like, I didn't hang out with Jesus and I didn't hang out with them. This is the gospel message. Worship him. Worship him because of the good news. He says, "Then I went to the regions of Syria, and Cilicia, and I was still unknown, still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They didn't know. They didn't know Paul. They only were hearing it said that he who uh, used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy." Now, you hear that, and what you see in verse 23 is, is the, the depravity of man, right? The one who once tried to destroy this faith which he now proclaims. You see the goodness of the gospel and that God gets a hold of sinners and makes them saints. He doesn't make them perfect, but He's sanctifying the saints in order that they might display His glory. So that when we go out church, we would show our weakness. We wouldn't be proud of it. We're not proud of our sin. But we're resting in the process that Christ, through his Spirit, is sanctifying the saints. But it is a process. And when people see that, and we focus the eyes on Jesus and not ourselves, then God gets what he deserves the worship. See, when we declare God's Word and point to the power of His work, He alone receives the glory. Verse 24. The result of this, of His journey, of His faithfully preaching the Gospel, says that they glorified God because of me. The one who was once trying to destroy the church is the one leading people to praise God. I mean, you talk about a complete turnaround, and who can do that? Only God, because it's God's supernatural work which flows from his supernatural word, which should lead his people to supernatural worship. This is God's doing. Salvation is God's doing. It's God's work. Matthew 5, 16. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. I'm going to wrap up here. It says here, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, when we go out, we want people to see God through us. Amen? And what we see here in Matthew is is that that's what it should be. That we may go out and that by our good works they would see God through us. You see, our good works are not so that we may earn favor with God and before God on that day of judgment. It's because of the favor we found with God through His Son Jesus, by faith in Him, that we go and we do good works. And when we do these things, if we're doing it rightly, then people's eyes should be focused on the cross. See, when we go out and we do things self-righteously, we're leading people to a works-based faith in word and deed. But when we do things to exalt Jesus, to lift his name on high, then he receives the proper worship in which he and he alone deserves. He receives the worship from us in which he created us for. You see, that's literally the gospel message gets us back to creation Because the Creator has sent His Son to redeem those who were once apart from Him, to redeem them back to Him, to do what we were intended to do to begin with. To glorify and enjoy Him forever. See, church, that's the reason each and every one of you all were created. In every kid in here, and every kid in the class, every human being from the womb to the tomb was created in that life to glorify and enjoy God forever. And the way, and the only way that we're going to get back to that is by resting in the finished work of Jesus. So Paul takes this very seriously. He takes this to heart, and he uses strong language with them throughout this letter because the gospel is serious and it is worth verbally fighting over. I almost said fighting over. I got to be careful, right? I don't want anybody like the, the gospel serious. No, this is something that we stand on, church, and we can look people dead in the eyes and say, you're wrong if it goes against the gospel. And remember, church, that salvation is God's work. The work of man will lead to damnation. The work of our Savior leads to salvation. So remember God's word. It's supernatural. There's no other word like it. Man couldn't come up with a word like it. We have no good news. Man only produces bad news. But praise be to God for giving us the good news and to go and to proclaim it. Church, we have a job now to go and to proclaim that good word. We know that salvation is God's work, and those who have rested in his finished work now have a good work to go and do to exalt the name of Jesus, which leads to God's worship. That the world may praise God, glorify him, and enjoy him forever. Church, go ahead and stand. We're going to sing uh, one last song. And I want us to remember this. As you go out, this message it's, it's, it's easy to share because what it does is it takes everything off of you and it tells the person who is receiving that message to take everything off of them and to rest in Christ. Repent of your sins and surrender to the Lord. That's it. And to those who would call on the name of the Lord, they will be what, church? Saved. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Let's go out this week and put Jesus in the perspective. Do life together by plugging into a group. The church, find a way to, to love on somebody. If you know somebody who's, who's been hurt by the, cap, uh, the Capital C Church, right, like they, they've just been hurt by uh, some some part or aspect of the church, remind them that it is Christ who sets them free. It is Christ who empowers them to good work, and it is Christ who will redeem them on the last day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the finished work of... Our salvation. We thank you for sending your son to die in our place. We thank you for your word, your work, and God, we're here to give you your worship. We thank you for all that you've done in and through our life, Lord, and we pray that you would just continue to make us into your likeness. God, I do pray earnestly that we would fight off our sins, God, that we would repent and confess to one another when we do sin. But God, in our repentance and our confession and our uh, calling others to repentance, God, I pray that our eyes would be focused on the grace which you showed us on the cross. That we wouldn't be led to shame, but God, we'd be reminded of freedom, knowing that that freedom that we have in Christ has set us free to go and to live for you and according to your word. So God, lead us uh, this week as we seek to do that in our life. God, just lead us to obedience and give us boldness to stand faithfully on this gospel message. God, the the world is just getting crazier and crazier, and I just pray that you would just uh, lead us out there in in faith and in boldness. God, be with those uh, in our church that are sick, uh, dealing with illness, those who are traveling, wherever they might be. God, we pray that you would bless them and be with them this morning. And Lord, we pray for those we haven't met yet, God, that you would just open those doors and you would soften hearts as we go in with this message of grace and calling sinners to repentance and trust in this finished work.